Today on Rooted Daily, we talk about how Christians can cope with separation. Welcome to Rooted Daily, the podcast where in 10 minutes or less each day, we root you in the Bible so you can grow with God, you can weather the storms of life, and you can bear fruit. I'm Brandon Levy, and when Solomon wrote about you know, all the different seasons we face in life. In Ecclesiastes 3, 4, he wrote, to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. He also wrote in uh, verse five, something I thought was appropriate now, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. But Solomon, he made it clear that there are good times and there are bad times. And while we should dance in the good times, it's okay to mourn in the bad times too. Proper mourning can be an important part of how we cope. You know, I was a, attending a, a funeral recently and the preacher pointed out this verse about a time to laugh and a time to cry. And he talked about how we see both of those come together in funerals. Yes, you know, funerals, they often start in tears, but then someone gets up and tells some crazy story and those tears turn to laughter and the laughter is good because it helps us remember and carry those memories with us. Funerals, they let us do that because they make us address our separation. There's no way to get around it. This virus has affected our faith and how we live it out in all sorts of convoluted ways. There's been good that's come out of this. I admire those who look at the glass half full and, and see that good with nearly you know, every congregation of God's church online somehow uh, sharing the good news. People who never otherwise would have been in a place to hear and receive the gospel are now listening. Churches are uh, relying on younger people to sort through all of these technical details, giving them a, a sense of purpose in this crisis that I, I suspect will have long-lasting benefits for their faith and the church at large because they see a, a place for themselves in the work of the church. And in this time of uncertainty, at least anecdotally, and I, I think we'll start to see statistically as well, people are more, more interested in uh, learning about the certainty that Jesus offers. Those are all good things. I mean, it is great that even in this dark moment, God is demonstrating how powerfully in control he is. But that said, while we can rejoice in what we've gained, we can also still mourn what we've lost. And today, even while we try to celebrate the good things around us, we are also mourning. We are mourning the tremendous loss of life that has occurred in this pandemic. And I think uh, we've almost all at least known someone who has lost someone at this point. We mourn for the millions, if not billions around the world who are away from work or out of work. We mourn for the loss of routine, but perhaps the thing that has affected the largest number of Christians is the separation from other Christians that has been forced on us by stay-at-home orders and social distancing. We should mourn the separation that comes from canceled worship services and Bible studies. And while we are so thankful for Zoom calls and, and live streaming, we are witnesses to the fact that they just aren't the same. In fact, in the Bible, that kind of separation is used as a punishment. At the last resort, Jesus said, 
uh, as it's recorded in Matthew chapter 18, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. And if they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. You know, the final step in disciplining sin within the church is separation, withdrawing fellowship. Paul said in his second letter to the Thessalonians, but as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. And if anyone does not obey our word in this epistle, note that person and do not keep company with him that he may be ashamed. Yet do not count him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. You know, this isn't the time to, to dive into uh, what those passages mean about discipline in the church. But on the face of them, we, we see a simple fact. Separation is a punishment. Another verse that has been thrown around uh, a lot in the past month, Hebrews 10, 25, also talks about uh, the consequences of not being together, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Now, we aren't forsaking the assembly by closing the church building doors uh, during a pandemic. But nonetheless, we are missing something. And finally, listen to how Paul talks to the Thessalonians when he can't be with them. He says, but brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul did, again and again. But Satan blocked our way. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. Paul said, it was the work of Satan that stopped him from being there. Nothing else could have stopped him. And we can see Sure, a lot of good coming out of this dark moment. But make no mistake, we are missing something when we are separated. So how do we mourn our separation productively? In other words, how do Christians cope when separated from their Christian family? Well, let's look at Paul because he was a man who dealt with separation perhaps more than anyone. He was always on the move. Uh, he was imprisoned, he was shipwrecked, and he writes over and over how hard that separation was. And yet through it, he managed to grow and bear fruit for God. You know, there's an, a nice quote floating around on the internet about how Paul, uh, he spent most of his life in quarantine or isolation, and yet he wrote half of the New Testament. And I think a very important lesson we can learn from Paul is to cope with separation by dwelling in God's word. That's, of course, what he tells uh, the Colossians to do. He says he is contending for them, even if it has to be from a distance. But while he is away, he tells them to continue to live their lives. And Jesus rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. When we are separated from each other, we need to root ourselves even deeper in Christ. We need to open up God's word, maybe do some writing about it like Paul did, because it is going to remind us that no matter how separated we are from one another, we are never separated from God's love. Now, that last section of Colossians 2, it leads me to the second thing that I learned from Paul, at least. You know, look at Acts chapter 16. It's an interesting story there. Paul 
uh, and Silas, they're praying when a woman with an evil spirit uh, tried to use that spirit to make money off of them. But Paul, he became annoyed with this and he commanded the spirit to leave. And because of that, this woman, she was a slave and her masters decided once the spirit was gone, they couldn't make money off of her anymore. So they were going to perform a citizen's arrest on Paul and Silas. They dragged them into the marketplace where they're stripped and beaten with rods. And when it was over, they were thrown into prison uh, under the careful watch of a jailer. And then in verse 25, we read about midnight. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And at once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. And the jailer, he woke up. And when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. And the jailer called for lights. He rushed in and he fell trembling before Paul and Silas and then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. And then immediately he and his household were baptized. And the jailer, he brought them into his house and he set a meal before them. And he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. You know, when Paul, he was separated, he mourned that separation, but he also sang and he also rejoiced and that never stopped. And he found that balance that we have to find too. And because he did that, the jailer was so moved by what God was able to do with Paul and Silas that he wanted that peace for himself and for his family too. Proper biblical mourning does not mean that we wallow in our suffering. We recognize that things are not how they're supposed to be, but also that this isn't how it's always going to be. And for that, the hope that one day that we will be back together, we should sing. We should rejoice just like Paul and Silas did in prison. Finally, I learned from Paul to yearn for the end of this. Maybe uh, it, it was interesting to try to figure out how to connect with, with each other online for uh, a week or two, just like uh, I'm sure it was interesting for Paul to go and visit new places and, and meet new people. Uh, but the newness wears off and all the, the shortcomings of this online worship are laid bare. Let that spark something inside of us that helps us appreciate our time together more fully when this storm passes and reconsider the reasons why we neglected being together before. You know, I pray we emerge from this moment with the kind of spirit Paul had. He coped with separation and it fueled an even greater desire within him to dwell in God's word, to rejoice that he could never be separated from God's love and come back as soon as he could. You know, let's close with what he wrote to the Philippians. He wrote, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he began a good work in you that will carry on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you 
with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Rejoice and give thanks for the good that we see in this dark moment, but also more. Long for what we're missing. Pray for each other. But as Paul was, be confident that God is ready to use us today and every day until his son returns. And that'll do it for this episode of Rooted Daily. For the next couple of weeks, we're going to continue looking at how Christians can respond to the coronavirus pandemic. So I look forward to sitting down and talking with you about that next time.